Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Amen? So last week we talked about worship, and I focused on the idea that worship is really your highest value. What I want to do at the beginning of our message this week, which is called Gratitude is a God Attitude, is to give you what I think is the difference between Uh, worship, praise, and thanksgiving. We use those words as though they're synonyms. We use them interchangeably. Uh, Sometimes we say, you know, uh, somebody says, well, I like to listen to worship music. Oftentimes that means kind of softer, slower music, and that's really not what that word should mean. Oh, no, you know, uh, praise, and it's like, okay, well, that's like celebration. That's like the faster stuff or, or, you know, something like that. And then Thanksgiving, well, you know, we come to this time of year where people are going to consider what they're thankful for, what they're grateful for. And I have said this on a number of occasions, but I think that the very sense that people have of gratitude is evidence of the existence of God. You don't thank nobody. You're thankful. You're thankful to someone. So when you have that, just that that overwhelming sense of gratitude, and you're not saying, well, I thank my parents because they did this, or, you know, I, I thank uh, my boss because I got a promotion or something, but you just have a sense of gratitude for, I don't know, something like the weather. We've had fantastic weather, haven't we? This has been one of the most, uh, this is the most amazing fall that I can remember in, in Texas. Um, you know, I, I love you people, you know, you Texas people. I have always pretty much hated the weather here. <laughs> it's, I can remember when I went to, I went to, I first came to Texas, I went to Waco, Texas. Okay, so this is Central Texas. And I'm used to Arizona and Phoenix in particular and the desert. And after it rains, it smells so amazing. And so I had just arrived in Waco and uh, a 24 hour bus ride. This is 55 mile an hour speed limit. I'm on a Greyhound bus and I've got a giant steamer trunk um, and, uh, you know, rode my first taxi ride from downtown Waco, which now is kind of cleaned up and nice. And they've got a bunch of restaurants and stuff down there, like a lot of cities have done with their downtown. But back then, buddy, it was nothing. It was, yeah. The Alco building, which is like the only skyscraper that, you know, you, when you drive in Waco, you see Baylor over on the, the left side of Interstate 35 and you see this lone ugly looking skyscraper over on your right. That's the Alco building. But I rode this taxi from downtown Waco to the backside of Penland Dorm. And, uh, you know, I'm getting oriented. I didn't know anybody in Texas. I didn't know anybody at Baylor. There were a couple of people from the church that I had attended where I came to faith, North Phoenix Baptist Church, that had come there. But they had both come in as freshmen. I was transferring in. And all that to say, it was a very, very uh, nervous experience for me, especially since socioeconomically I was far, far lower on the scale than the overwhelming majority of the people at Baylor. They were driving some seriously nice cars and, and so forth and I had my steamer trunk. But in any event, the first time it rained, I was like, oh man, I'm going to go outside and smell, and it stunk. <laughs> well, like Central, it's, like there's a, it's a swamp, right? Literally, this was like, there, um, there's a museum called the Strecker Museum 
uh, on the Baylor campus, and they actually had a dig there in Central Texas where they, you know, looked at all these dinosaur bones. I mean, it's uh, swamps are smelly, you know. No disrespect if you come from like Louisiana, which is a super cool state, but also kind of smelly um, because it's just swamp. But you get used to what you get used to, and what I'm, I guess, I'm getting down to is that uh, you can be thankful when you have this glorious weather that we've had. Amen. But when you have that sort of it might be a vague sense or an overwhelming sense of gratitude. I really think that points to the existence of God. It's something in your conscience that's saying, hey, hey, you have something to be grateful for, which means you have someone to be grateful to. Amen? So that's why I say gratitude is a God attitude. Now, you know, these days you can use virtually any Bible program and you can enter a search term and it will just bring up all of the, the verses in that particular translation that have that word. You know, you used to have to have like a big thick concordance and then you would look up that word and it would show you where it was and so forth. But now you can just enter the search term. Now understand that there are various terms that are used in Hebrew and Greek that may be translated thankful or thankfulness or thanks uh, and uh, perhaps they might be translated gratitude or uh, some other term. So you might have to look at several terms, but just trust me on this. Actually, you don't have to trust me. I would encourage you to do this. Uh, perhaps later today, get your favorite Bible program, go to Bible.com, get version on your phone, right? Uh, get Bible Gateway, get a translation like the NIV or the ESV, and then just enter thanks, all right? Uh, or thankful and see how many verses you come up with. And you're going to find there's a huge number of them in the Psalms. Um, so you saw Psalm 100 on the, on the video up there. And that phrase that uh, was in Psalm 100 that it uh, essentially concluded with there is a phrase that we find in a lot of the Psalms. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Is God good? But sometimes bad things happen to us, don't they? And that can make people doubt whether God is good. And this, of course, is that whole question of uh, what theologians call theodicy. If God is good and God is great, he's all-powerful, then why all this evil in the world? And what I've said is the, the simplest answer, and I have a very long series on this, but the simplest answer is this ain't heaven. This is a fallen world. And so as a result, people do things that are uh, destructive to themselves and to others. Uh, it's a world that is separated from God, right? That doesn't mean that he has turned his back on this world, but it does mean that people have turned their backs on him. Amen? Amen. And in increasing numbers. If you want things to go well for you, you need to get inside the boundaries that God has drawn, his law, if you will. So there are physical laws in the universe. There's, there are moral laws as well that God has established when he established people. And when we walk within those boundaries, we're gonna find things that actually do go better for us. It doesn't mean we won't suffer and have difficulties, but even in that suffering, we're going to learn and we're going to grow. Um, but uh, yeah, throughout the scripture, so here are a couple more. This is Psalm 105, uh, one through five. Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name. Make, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. Friends, having a faith relationship with God is inherently positive. It, you can have all sorts of feelings that are 
um, that are driven by your circumstances or what's going on in the world or happenstance. But if you keep your eyes focused, right, your spiritual eyes focused on the Lord, there's just no reason not to be positive. It doesn't matter if your candidate uh, got the votes that you had hoped that, uh, that that candidate would get. It doesn't matter whether you, you know, the news sources you tune into can make you depressed, Right? This is why I, I tune into the Word and I tune out the, most of the news sources because it seems like that there is this, this tendency to, uh, to try to, to keep things going when it concerns our emotions about these various issues so that we will stay addicted to watching the news. Man, I, you know, stay informed, but you don't need to be in all that. And, and you know, we're getting it from all sides. You know, it's, it's on your phone. It's like, you know, if you got a watch like mine, if you're not careful, then it'll come across the, the watch. And this is shaping our thinking and it is shaping our feelings, right? And so what we want to do is we want to stay focused on the Lord and tuned into him. And I'm going to tell you, it, it doesn't matter who's in office. God is on the throne, all right? It, it, the pandemic is irrelevant. That doesn't mean we don't pray and we don't, you know, remain vigilant and careful, but I, I know who holds the future, amen? I know who the healer is, amen? And I'm going to trust him, and I hope that you will as well. Um, enter his gates with thanksgiving. This is what you just uh, heard in Psalm 100 and his courts with praise. This is why I've been starting the service the last two weeks differently. I've started it off with a video to kind of sort of draw you in before our worship team gets up and starts leading. I, I want us to all start training ourselves to get in here and start worship at 11 and get our focus on the Lord. Um, I don't want the band to be like some background music that you've got playing. We're, we're too used to using music as sort of a, you know, uh, a background to everything else we do. That's not what this band is here to do. This band is here to focus your attention on the Lord. And I want, you have to decide to do that. I have to decide to do that. And our auditorium doesn't necessarily lend itself to that simply because you just are immediately outside. Like I'm looking outside right now. You know, I'm looking at cars. I'm looking at the square. A lot of times it's cloudy today, but a lot of times the light is blaring in through there. So you have to just kind of put yourself in a position where, no, I'm going to get in here and I'm going to, I'm going to get focused and I'm going to worship. So that's why I put that video on there because I want you to enter his courts with thanksgiving. Amen. You know, we, we come in off the street and we come in from various situations and, you know, maybe your kids were difficult that particular day. I know that never happens. Um, but, uh, you know, that can just set your emotions. I, maybe your dog doo-dooed on the rug or something right before you got here, and you're still, like, dealing with that. You know, maybe you're having trouble with the IRS right now. You, who knows what you're having trouble with, <laughs> right? IRS, yes, they're evil. But anyway, not everybody that works there is, though. All right, um, so I have a, a series uh, just four statements today in your, in your notes uh, that I'd like for you to focus on. And uh, the first one is um, complaining is the antithesis of thanksgiving, right? Antithesis, just sounds like I'm trying to be really smart. It means it's the opposite of thanksgiving. Complaint is the opposite of thanks. I wonder, are you anything like me? Do you have a tendency to complain? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down a level. Complaining 
is founded on an attitude or a perspective that you or I may have. It means we're entitled. Well, that shouldn't be happening to me. I'm a good person. I don't deserve this. I deserve better than this. In fact, I deserve it all, right? That's a classically American attitude. So I'm going to complain when things don't work my way. I, I complain about technology all the time. I, just, I, think, I think stuff should work. I don't know why that's difficult. I just think stuff should work. If they design something and they're, they're, you know, we're spending thousands of, it should just work. So we've got this fantastic computer up there. Now it's five years old, but it's, it's fast and it works um, really, really well. But, you know, we're just trying to play a graphic. The reason you're not seeing any graphics under this uh, is because uh, my buddy Felix is up there running it now and it was just, it was lagging. Well, what's happening is the computer is having to run the graphic and I've had to scale the graphic up to fit this screen, and it's bogging it down. So as the result, the words are like coming up here. Too. I'm like, dude, seriously, just make this stuff work. I don't know. I don't know why this has to be different. Well, see, I need to stop acting like that. What I need to do is find out what the root of the problem is and do my very best to work on that, see it as a positive challenge, and move on. Because complaining is indicative of the fact that I'm not trusting the Lord, am I? In fact, complaining may be blaming the Lord. Now, if I was going to go into a long, I could go into just one message on that. You have uh, the, the people of Israel, the children of Israel, who God saved from Egyptian slavery, and all they did was murmur and complain. I like that word, murmur. Do you like that word? It's an onomatopoeia word. Do you know what an onomatopoeia word is? Crack! That's an onomatopoeia word. Boom! That's an onomatopoeia word. Murmuring. I love it. Right? You can just hear like a million people all Moses, Moses. Right? Complaining. Antithesis of Thanksgiving. Listen to this scripture from Philippians 2, 14 through 16. Do everything without complaining, ouch, or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. Do we live in a crooked and depraved generation? So let's don't line up with them, which means we're going to be bent to. Let's be positive in the midst of all the negativity. The most radical thing you could do today is to be filled with faith and positivity in the midst of all this negativity. I mean, you need to out Joel Osteen, Joel Osteen. You really do. I don't care if you like him or not. The dude is so ridiculously positive. You know, I'm like, get away from me. You have straight teeth and you have pretty hair. And <laughs> your church has 850 million people in it. And every book you write is just like, oh, Joe wrote another book. Did you see that? You know, no, bless him. Bless him. He's got a ministry down there. Uh, I, I, there are things that I would do differently and do do differently. However, uh, I'm appreciative of somebody that can continue to persist in faith even when things are coming up against them, right? Even when things are, quote, unquote, negative. All right, so let's move on to the next one. Thanklessness leads to idolatry. Ah, thanklessness leads to idolatry. Now, in Romans chapter 1, we, the Apostle Paul, in verse 18, begins to talk about sin. 
and he speaks of sin all the way down to Romans 3.23, and he concludes with this statement, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But he begins that discussion of sin by talking about idolatry. Listen to what it says. Uh, this is uh, Romans 1, 21 through 23. He's already made the point in Romans 1, 19 and 20 that nobody has an excuse to be an atheist, that there's evidence for God all over creation and all over your conscience. And then he says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give thanks to him. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools, and instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people, birds and animals and reptiles, all right? So they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him or even give him thanks. Now, I'll leave it to you to dig into that passage of Scripture because you're going to find all sorts of sins listed there that perhaps you are tempted by, that you see celebrated in our society, and it all results from people turning away from God and turning toward idols. You know what the greatest idol is, the number one idol? Me, yep, self. So let's think about worship, praise, and thanksgiving. One way of understanding worship is to understand the Greek and Hebrew word worship, which means to bow the knee or to prostrate yourself. So you know what worship is? It's you lowering yourself below something or someone else because of your value of it, your estimate of it or them, okay? So when you bow to something, when you lower yourself, that's worship. That's what worship, worship is lowering self, right? So people that refuse to lower self won't worship. They're actually worshiping self, right? They're looking at themselves in the mirror, worshiping self. Worship is to lower the self below the object of uh, value or estimate, okay? Praise is to lift something or someone else up. Now, I can't lift God up literally any higher than he is. However, in my value system, in my thinking, in my feelings, I can lift God up or I can lower God. Now, that doesn't change who God really is, but it does change my perspective and my relationship to God. So praise is elevating God in my estimation. Now, I want to say this. I praise God not because of what he has done, but because of who he is. God is on the throne. Once again, regardless of political outcomes, regardless of circumstances, financial circumstances, relational circumstances, emotional circumstances, regardless of that, has God changed? He has not changed. I had a blessed person who, who watches me periodically and uh, wrote uh, some sort of a, uh, a critique of uh, a message that I wrote recently, and they commented on the fact that the Bible is old, essentially. They said it's, a, you know, this, this Bronze Age, Iron Age book, which is not entirely accurate because it's comprised of 66 books who were written over a period, which were written over a period of 1,500 years. But all that to say, just because something is old doesn't mean it's wrong. See, this is the classic liberal mindset, that 
something has to be new in order to be good or right. But God is timeless, friends, and God's truth is timeless. And when God reveals himself, he doesn't change who he is. His word doesn't change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, yes, and forever. He doesn't change. When he reveals himself, that's who he is. And that's why when I count on God and I hang on to him, everything may be falling apart out here, okay? The mountains may fall into the heart of the sea, but God is still almighty God, and he's still on the throne, and he still hasn't forgotten. So the praise songs that I sung during a time when there was no pandemic are still valid now, amen? Because God's still the same. He hasn't changed, right? Even if we had, well, this is a pandemic, but just not nearly as virulent or as dangerous as we were originally led to believe. But buddy, if we were facing something like Ebola, good grief, we should all be staying at home. I guarantee you I wouldn't be having worship services. I would, but I'd be, you know, the band would be like 16 feet apart, right? We'd be doing everything online. Yeah, because that's like a 50% or, or more mortality rate. That's not what we, but you know, Heaven forbid, and I pray that God never lets anything like that happen to us or any other nation again, for that matter. But God doesn't change even then. He's still God. He is almighty God, and he doesn't change. Now, when I shift from worship, lowering myself, praise, elevating God in my estimation, right? When I shift to thanksgiving, now I am looking at what God has done and is doing. Now, it's easy to, uh, to give thanks for the, the things that are obvious, although not everybody does. Um, the older I get, the more I give thanks for my health. Friend, when you lose your health, you lose everything. It doesn't matter how rich you are. If you lose your health, you lose it all. If you're healthy right now and you're sitting here, right, and some of you are staying at home so that you can be healthy because you have compromised immune systems and so forth, and I understand that. If you're healthy right now, then give God praise. Amen? As I've mentioned to you before, and it is worthy of reminder, um, the medications that we take are either going to dull the symptoms but not treat the disease, or they're going to stimulate your own immune system to fight the disease. That's what antibiotics do. This, uh, the, the, there are two brand new um, uh, vaccines that are right about to be approved right now under emergency approval from the FDA uh, from two different drug companies, right? Uh, one is, I think, Pfizer, and the other is Moderna, I believe. But they're both um, uh, RNA medications, which basically means they're not gonna, they're not gonna inject the way they do with the flu shot is they deactivate the flu virus, inject it into you, it teaches your body to fight it, all right? Now, about half the people that I know that have gotten the flu shot feel flu-like symptoms for anywhere from two to four days afterwards. That's why I never get the flu shot. The other half people don't. But if you're older or if you're very young and your immune system is compromised once again, better to feel these very light flu symptoms for a couple of days and not get the full-on flu than to get the flu, okay? But this thing basically injects essentially kind of like a little part of uh, what the virus uses, just to, to dumb it down for you and me. 
And it teaches, once again, your immune system to fight. You need to praise God because it's your immune system that's going to fight this off. One way or the other, the vaccine is not fighting the disease. Amen? It's your immune system that is. That's why you need to stay healthy, and that's why you need to thank God if you are healthy. Amen? Because it's amazing. I thank God for the weather. Man, I really do. And even when I'm tempted to complain, when it starts getting cold and ice stormy and all that other stuff, there's reason to thank God there as well, okay? Um, The next one relates to that, all right? So what about things uh, that happen that uh, we wonder about? Why is God allowing this? Uh, Or or maybe you might even say, did I do something wrong, God? Are you causing this? Are you bringing this into my life? Be thankful for everything from the providential God, even the bad things. Now, this is difficult. I've told you guys for years, uh, I have a, uh, a a defect that happened in my ear uh, some sort of a, this was a, an issue related to my immune system kind of going awry when a virus attacked my inner ear. My immune system went after it, and even after it destroyed the virus, it kept attacking my inner ear, and so it just destroyed the hearing in my right ear. On top of that, because when I was uh, a youth minister, I was foolish and listened to a, a rock band play at ear-piercing levels inside a garage, Um, My ears started ringing after that and have never stopped. Now my ear rings approximately as loud as I'm talking right now, all the time, right here. Now, from what I'm telling you, I'm supposed to give God thanks for that. I'm not sure that I've quite arrived there yet. But I'm not complaining about it as I was before, and I am willing to allow God to continue to teach me through the difficulty of it, right? Um. When you get sick, when someone in your life passes away, this applies. We're looking at the providence in the situation. Well, you say, well, what is providence, right? Um, Is that a city in Rhode Island? Yes, it is, okay? By the way, Providence, Rhode Island was named by Roger Williams, the pastor who started the first Baptist church in the United States of America. And he sought to get away from Massachusetts, where they were essentially uh, attempting to set up a commonwealth where only Presbyterians would be essentially permitted to worship. Well, the United States was started by um, religious dissidents. They were fleeing from England because they were prohibited from worshiping in accordance with their conscience. Do you understand that's why this country was founded? Now, there were financial considerations and there were corporations that, you know, older corporations that sent people out here as well. But this country was started by people who simply wanted to freely worship. I want you to think about that. But that's uh, the nature of Providence, Rhode Island. But the word providence means a God-ordained circumstance. That means you may say, wow, that's a coincidence. But a Christian who understands Almighty God never says that's a coincidence. A Christian who understands the working of Almighty God in her life, in his life, says, what is God saying in the midst of this coincidence, in the midst of this circumstance? Well, the the verse that you should memorize that... um, 
best uh, teaches this is Romans 8.28. And we know, do we think, do we imagine, do we suppose, and we what? All things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. How many things work together for the good? All. Does that mean just the positive things, just the things that are favorable to you? No, that means everything. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to understand all of that. That doesn't mean that, you know, when you lose somebody, you shouldn't be sad. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't pray for healing when God, uh, you know, is obviously allowed uh, circumstances in your life where you are, are physically ill. But I'm going to resist the temptation to complain, to murmur, to rail against God, or to disbelieve in God's existence, or to think that he doesn't care. I'm going to allow him to take me through that circumstance, and I'm going to praise him because he hasn't changed, but I'm even going to get to the place where I thank him for those circumstances, right? Um, Listen to this passage from Ephesians 5, 15 through 20, and the final verse could have been the only verse I preached on today. The Apostle Paul writes, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what's the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit? Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and within yourself, that uh, text could also mean. And making music to the Lord in your hearts. And here's the final phrase. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? So what's got you down this morning? What's got you down this morning? You're not jumping around. I don't see that many smiles out there. What's got you down? Start by praising God for who he is, amen? Start by lowering yourself and saying, you know what, I'm too entitled. I think I deserve better than this and more than this. Friends, Grace means God will give us what we don't deserve, and mercy means we're not getting what we do deserve. And that is reason to give God thanks all the time. Amen? So I need to recognize that this is a providential God, and I need to realize that I should be giving thanks to God in everything. And that's how it starts, by the way. I'm not going to immediately be able to thank God for a terrible tragedy that happens in my life. I may not see the, the positive side of that until the other side of the grave. I mean, it's possible. But I can always give God thanks in the midst of that circumstance, and that's where it starts. But I continue to thank God for all that he has done for me, and that's what I've got to do. I've got to stretch my memory back, and I've got to give God the credit that he is due for being God. Acknowledge him in all of my ways. Acknowledge everything that he's done in my life. Friends, that's what makes us godly people. That's what makes us worshipers instead of consumers. See, consumer Christians are probably not going to church right now. 
Now, I don't, I'm not talking about people that are trying to preserve their health and so forth. I mean, consumer Christians are looking for everything to, you know, be done for them. What have you done for me lately, God? Well, I think that this church should do this, and I think that this church should do that. If you have a suggestion, I would love to hear it, and then I'm going to put you in charge. I think that this church should have this ministry. Amen. When are you volunteering? Because this old pastor right here is bore out. I was telling Veronica earlier, she just had her birthday, what, yesterday? She's old now. She's 30-something. And I, sa I said, y'all are getting old, but I'm just staying young. I'm staying the same. I know my beard is getting whiter, you know, but I don't feel any older, but sometimes I feel tireder. Sometimes I feel tireder, and my body breaks down when I go to the gym and work out. I'm like, oh, my goodness, what is going on now? You know, there's something else popping and creaking, and, you know, it's a, what? What? I, I got to keep doing this. But, yeah, I'm doing all the stuff that I, I can't. I'm doing ministries because that's just it's stuff that I know how to do, right? So, you know, Craig will do announcements at the end, but, you know, by way of announcement, uh, yes, on Tuesday I have Karate Club, amen? Well, why do I do that? Am I trying to just be, you know, this amazing, cool guy that wears a black belt up here and whatever? No, honestly, I would have given up on that a long time ago, all right? I just don't need to be that cool anymore. But I do it because it's a ministry. It's something I know how to do to reach kids, right? I do children's ministry on Tuesdays, and I think I do a pretty good job. But that's because I have a program that I've been leading for over 30 years, that doesn't mean I could come home and do it at your house. That doesn't mean that I could come to your school and take your job as a teacher in the classroom. When I used to substitute teach, I focused on teenagers, mainly high school teenagers, because it's really difficult to be in one classroom with the same group of kids all day long. You guys are amazing. Parents that are teaching your kids at home right now, you're amazing, right? So, but you're doing what you are called and gifted to do, and that's what I do. What I do Wednesday night Bible study because I want you to get in the Word verse by verse. So I, I want you to teach. I have these folks in our church that like acting, and some of them uh, I thought would probably be pretty good little actors or actresses. And now that we've done this drama club for a little bit, uh, some of them have come out of their shell. Um, but why do I do that? Well, because I directed and wrote plays for years. So I thought, I'm going to just do something so that I can help these people out. These are ministries that I do because it's stuff that I know how to do, right? But if there's something that you see a need for, it may be that God's calling you to do it. So what I'm supposed to be is an equipper. I'm not supposed to be the guy that does all the ministry, I'm supposed to be the guy that equips you to be the people that do ministry. Amen? So I don't know what that would mean for you, but maybe as we get closer to 2021 and we start putting this pandemic and all that drama behind us, um, and you start thinking about the future and what you want to do, maybe start thinking about something that you'd like to do in ministry. And it might be a ministry that we're not currently doing, or it might be something that we are currently doing. Um, I've been appreciative. I got Harry and Felix up there today working, uh, working my, uh, my tech, and if they've been willing to get up there and do that and learn. And, you know, who knows what it is that the Lord might lead you to do, okay? But that's one way to get us out of our, our negative, consumer-minded funk, 
You know, it's like, well, this church is just not meeting my needs. Well, what are you doing, right? <laughs> you know, what did John F. Kennedy say? Ask not what your country can do for you, but... So, we've got servants in this church that make me look like a lazy bum, okay? They work over the top, okay? They serve. And, of course, you know, sometimes ministry is romanticized, you know? Oh, these poor souls, we need to minister. Poor souls? People are a mess. I mean, (laughs) you know, people are just hard to deal with, you know? And they don't always appreciate what you do or what you say. And, you know, the people that are in customer service understand that. You know, those of y'all that have to serve people all the time, and you're like, okay, and they're ungrateful, and yeah. So in any event, be thankful for everything from the providential God. And finally, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. And that's exactly what it says, Psalm 50, 14 and 15. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God and keep the vows, that is, keep the commitments you made to the Most High. Then call on me when you are in trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. So this is the psalm where God says, I don't need your sacrifices. I own a thousand cattle on a thousand hills. So bringing, bringing lambs and goats and, you know, the things that they used to sacrifice, that's not impressing me. What I want is I want your thanksgiving. I want you to acknowledge where I'm working in your life. Now, by the way, if you're wondering why God is not working in your life, it may be because you're not recognizing where he's working in your life. If you've prayed and prayed and prayed for something to change, to get a breakthrough, and it doesn't seem to be happening, it may be because you fail to recognize where God is currently working in your life. And so start off by offering that as a sacrifice. You say, well, how can that be a sacrifice? Well, you know, if I'm fighting against my own emotions, that can be a sacrifice. I'm like, man, I don't feel like worship this morning. I don't even feel like getting out of bed this morning. But God is God and he's worthy. So I'm going to start giving him thanks. I'm going to go where I'm supposed to go, be who I'm supposed to be, and I'm going to offer him that sacrifice of thanksgiving. And then Psalm 50 concludes, but giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. If you keep my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. So as we come into this season of Thanksgiving, you may be looking forward to it. You may be not looking forward to it. Holidays are difficult. It just depends on where you are. Some of you have multiple family obligations, and so the holidays are not restful for you. It's a lot of work. Some of you may not know where you're going to go or what you're going to do, and there's a sense of uh, kind of emptiness or hollowness that's there. You're just not sure. We have this idea that Thanksgiving should be, it should look like this, and it might not look like you think it's going to look, all right? But I'm going to offer God Thanksgiving regardless. So in Thanksgiving of 2017 was in the wake of the Sutherland Springs Massacre down by San Antonio where a man walked into a church with an assault rifle and began to shoot people and murdered 20, I think, seven people and injured another 13 or so. And it was only when a man across the street heard the gunfire going off, got his weapon and came across the street and started firing back that the guy took off in his truck and stopped murdering everybody. 2017 was when I said, you know what? I'm going to start the Karate Club back up because I'm going to give people an opportunity to learn how to defend themselves. And then we had all these kids, and it has ended up, as I said, being uh, largely a kids-oriented program, although we have more 
uh, young adults and teenagers that are coming these days. So I had a couple of invitations in 2017 to, to go and have Thanksgiving with a couple of different families. But that day I chose to clear all the chairs out and I fasted that day and Craig, that's when I relearned tokomini no kun no dai because it had been a million years since I had practiced that bokata and I literally had to relearn it. But I did something on that day is what I'm saying that was atypical. You may not have the typical Thanksgiving experience. It's okay. Let's realize that Thanksgiving is not about me. If we understand Thanksgiving, it's about giving God thanks for all the things that he's done. And he's done many things for you. And he continues to do many things for you. Amen? All of this starts by you establishing a relationship with Jesus Christ by elevating him to the highest level in your life. When we make that confession of faith that saves us, Jesus is Lord, we're putting him, as uh, preachers used to say, we're putting him on the throne. You're putting him on the throne of your life. That means you're bowing down to him. That's worship. That means you're elevating him to the highest place. That's praise. And that means that you have chosen to allow him to call the shots in your life. He's the boss. He's the master. He's commander-in-chief, not you, not me. Amen? So if you've not done that, or if you've kind of devalued Christ in your estimation, then I would invite you as we sing these last couple of worship songs to enter into a time of worship and to lower yourself and to put Christ in the place where he deserves to be. He died for you. He rose to defeat death for you. It's only right for you to offer your life back to him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Father, I thank you very much for your word. I thank you for this opportunity to proclaim it. I pray that we were each encouraged and challenged, and I pray for those that have not yet uh, come to know you in a personal way or who need to renew that relationship that they will do it now. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.